I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to another exciting episode of the Three Wise Truck Guys. Uh, this is Keith Ely, and I'm here with Mark Martinsik. Hi, everybody. And, of course, John Whitnell, who is who is still pining to be back in Hawaii, I believe. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, pining to be back in Hawaii, but safe. That's, uh, that's the most important thing right now. Yeah, that's, uh, that, is, that is important, John. And I think, uh, you know, before we get started on, on our conversation this morning, I think we have to acknowledge that uh, these last uh, three weeks, you know, we're sitting here on 10 o'clock the morning of Friday, the uh, 27th, I think. 27th of March, I think that uh, when we look back at when we did our last podcast in Heidi, I guess February, uh, when we did our last recording, we knew this thing was out there, but I don't think anybody really saw this impact coming. And uh, so I think we have to acknowledge that first and foremost. So Mark and John, I'm glad you're safe. We're all working at home now. And uh, uh, practicing these uh, social distancing habits, but thank God for technology at the same time. Here, here. Agree. Here, here. With that being said, you know life goes on, and uh, um, I know that's been some of the some of the discussion that we've had in our in our morning meetings that we're we're doing every day, and uh, life goes on, and figuring out how we adapt and overcome. Uh, you know, I look in my down in my bunker in my basement now and uh behind me i got three old posters of marine corps one from world war one and two from uh world war ii and you think about uh the marine corps one of the marine corps mottos of adapt and overcome that's uh that's where we're at right now but i think there's some basics that that we all know that are always in place and and uh you know, last time we were together, we talked about the idea of continuous improvement. And Mark, I think we started down the road of Six Sigma and, and Lean, and and started to discuss about some of the principles of of those things. And and I thought we would just carry that conversation on today. Yeah, I think uh, certainly we could talk about it over and over again, and uh, it gets pretty deep. But uh, uh, I think we should continue it. You know, Keith. Uh, we start a lot, a lot of times with the best and the worst we've seen recently. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, to your point about the uh, business disruption, what's going on with the coronavirus and so forth. Uh, the best I've seen is a lot of dealerships adapting to this new way of doing business and and uh, sending positive communications to their clients and reaching out and uh, more importantly, maybe or as importantly putting in policies to keep their employees safe uh, while they keep the supply chain moving by taking care of trucks, at least in service and parts. I know some of the other departments have been affected uh, uh, more drastically, but uh, for the most part, uh, uh, service and parts are doing strong. And uh, keeping your employees safe, keeping them engaged, uh, it amazes me what I'm hearing dealers doing uh, to, to that to that point. So. Um, so that's my Mark, best for the week. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm gonna agree. I, we've all been having lots of conversations with our clients this week, and uh, and I'll focus my comments here towards the new truck side. But right, 
we've had technology in place that has kind of made the old-fashioned way of selling trucks, which is a handshake and, and face-to-face across the desk, uh, that's, that's been pretty common. But boy, I'm really impressed with the number of dealers that I've talked to that are making radical changes to their business processes and specifically how they engage their customers because, uh, you know, many of these customers won't let you through the front door these days. But the business goes on and life goes on and, and uh, new truck activity is uh, is still pretty robust. So I think uh, the best I've seen this week is probably two or three different examples, dealers different ways, leveraging technology to stay in front of their customer, to continue to communicate their with their customers and uh, and not not lose a deal. And I think yeah. I think that's important to be reaching out to the to your customers uh, for every department and dealership. But reaching out, telling them you're still there, telling them you're there to support them. And if you've made some changes, such as locking the front door, and you want to deal over over email or phone and so forth, let them know whatever your your principles are. Make sure that if they're bringing a truck by, that uh, obviously you want to. Uh, uh, safeguard your employees and wipe it down good but also wiping it down before you give it back to them so it's the customers you care so communicate with your customers maybe more than ever before i'm I'm gonna just echo both what you guys have said uh echo that one more time i what's what's impressed me and yeah i don't know how many people we've talked to this week I, i i i've lost count but uh um the you know just the the stepping up of of how to take care of your employees and, and and how to take care of customers and, and adapting to that is just really really fantastic. And I think what we've all talked about on our calls every every day this week and and uh, you know one on ones is that that. When we come out of this, and there's no doubt we'll come out of this. I mean, the virus will will go away at some point. Um, you know, it'll ran its course. But what we're going to walk back into probably is going to be a, in some cases, a lot different looking world. You know, John, you talked about the idea of the, of of doing new truck deals. Um, you know, using technology to do new truck deals and use truck deals and. Mark, you know, we're, we're getting people that are making appointments now and they're calling ahead and having to schedule work in. And so the, the dealerships are adapting to that and from a part side and how they drop off parts and deliver it. You know, we're, we're seeing things change right before our eyes and probably we won't go back to what it was on February the 29th or whatever day that, that might be that was a last quote normal day unquote. Keith, I don't think you can overemphasize that point enough too, right? We've all had, in our morning meetings, we've all had uh, discussions about how quick the dealers have been to embrace the fact that this isn't just a two or a three or a four week uh, uh, kind of a stopgap measure. This is transformational in our business. And and a lot of the dealers are really doing an outstanding job of kind of thinking about not just how do I make a short-term change to get through this five-week two-month, whatever it might be, but 
what's this going to mean for my business in the long term? And a lot, in fact, that fits really well with with the notion of lean that we're going to be talking about today too. Changing processes, but not just tweaking them. Fundamental changes in process management so that you can position your business uh, to be more efficient and serve your customers more effectively in the future. This is yeah. this is this is permanent that we're talking about here. This is not just uh, getting through the coronavirus. That's right. You know, I think to that point, that takes us right back to lean, okay? Uh, as we talked about in the last podcast, it's, it's, really, it's really about uh, uh, continuous improvement through, through, the, through removing waste and, and pulling it up, okay? But especially right now, understanding that being successful in ex- executing these new plans of how we do business in the midst of, of your day job, which is, can sometimes be overwhelming, is very challenging, and I think uh, uh, the lean principles might be what we want to focus on uh, this week, and just talk through some of them at least, uh, and and how they how they tie back to the disruption that we're going through right now. You know, I think that's a good idea, Mark. I I'll 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 just start this off with you then, if you don't mind, Mark. Before we go through some of these principles, though, we've all talked about the term culture, and I think I think right now is you're seeing you're seeing those cultures that are really strong, and you're seeing the ones that are really fractured. And and you know you, you talk about the lean culture, Mark. That's that's the over underpinning principle, I guess, not the overpinning, but the underpinning principle for for this whole idea of lean is it's it's a culture. And it's the way that you 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 look at your business. So, with that in mind, Mark, you know, and, and these ideas of 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 permanence and, and changes of way of doing business, can you just recap for us again? Just first of all, what is lean before we start going down these these fourteen principles? Well, lean came out of the Toyota production system after World War II, as as I'm sure most people know. And uh, it, it's really a culture of, uh, and I, I keep repeating myself, removing waste uh, and, and, and achieving continuous improvement. By continuous, it's everyone's job every day to, to improve the business. And that's different than a lot of companies have done it in the past, okay? A lot of it's been top down. This is pulling it up through the people, okay? And they have 14 principles, okay? And, and if I just... Maybe I just read them all. I know we're going to go back and talk about some of them, okay? But the the basics of lean is base all management decisions on long-term philosophy, even at the expense of short-term financial goals. And for sure, we're going to talk about that, especially with this disruption. Create continuous process flow to bring problems to the surface. We should always be looking at that. Use a poll system. Okay, to avoid overproduction. We'll talk about that more. Level out the workload as much as you can. Build a culture, there's that word again, of stopping to fix problems to get the quality right the first time. Not just the quality of, of the right part to the right person, but the quality of the process as well. Uh, standardized tasks are the foundation for continuous improvement and employee empowerment is number six. Use visual controls so no problems are hidden. Very, very important when you're trying to get buy-in from all your employees and keep them all involved. Use 
reliable, thoroughly tested technology that serves your people and your process. Integrate that into your process. Grow leaders who thoroughly understand the work, live the philosophy, and teach it to others. Uh, Keith, I know you do a lot of work on, on succession planning by position and so forth. Okay, develop exceptional people and teams who follow your company's philosophy. Uh, respect your extended network of partners and suppliers by challenging them to help you improve as well. And one of my favorite is go see it for yourself. Put your boots on and go out and see it for yourself so you thoroughly understand the situation and make decisions slowly by consensus, thoroughly consider all options and then implement those decisions as rapidly as you can. And the last one is, is just become a learning organization through relentless reflection and continuous improvement. So that's a mouthful when you go through them. And certainly we won't take the time to go through every one today in depth, but uh, I think a lot of them apply to what we're dealing with with the, with the disruption right now. Yeah, and again, I'll come back to what uh, John and you both mentioned is that, that this disruption is, is causing people, it's causing us as a, as a company to not only evaluate how we do things, but how do we really not just survive, but how do we become a much better company six months down the road, a year down the road, two years down the road? And so, Mark, I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm going to just go back to the first one that you talked about, which was uh, you know basing management decisions on a long-term philosophy, even at the expense of short-term financial goals. And uh, I know that that um, from our standpoint. As a as a company, um, you know we we know we know we've taken a little revenue hit here in March, and we're figuring out what our break evens are now. And and but the biggest the biggest discussion we've had is in addition to making sure that we that we remain viable as an entity uh, for the short term. More importantly, is is how do we take this this opportunity to make our company better and uh, uh, you know looking at this from a long term from a long term philosophy that as a business owner that's a really really tough thing to do yeah it, it, it is okay it's a it's a philosophical almost sense of purpose okay that that supersedes the short term decisions that we're forced into making right now okay we have to grow and align our organization, and so do our customers, okay, uh, to, to a common purpose that, that's even bigger than making money. Certainly, we need to make money as well, okay? Um, that, that it's almost a mission that's the foundation to all the other principles, basing your management decisions on long-term philosophy. And I think a lot of companies, not just dealerships, have lost sight of that and are focusing on short-term decisions, short-term uh, improvements, which need to be done if they fit your long-term philosophy of where you want to be. What what purposes the company have? You know, Mark, I think I think we have to be sensitive to uh, we have to be sensitive to the fact that you know, for for a decent number, quite a few number of, of people right now, they're they're. Their revenue just went 
dramatically down. You know, we know, we know, we've talked to some of our customers that have seen just dramatic decreases in uh, in revenue. And so, how do you balance that idea of you know what I've got? I've got to figure out I'm going to survive for the next three months um, versus you know what I've got to do what's right for the long term. Well, I don't think there's any one answer, Keith. Okay, uh, certainly. What comes to mind first is uh, we can't we can't go on after this is over without the right people in the right seat. So protecting those key personnel uh, is focusing on long term, even when I'm making short term cuts in the number of personnel and staff positions and so forth. I know one of the projects that that we're selling a lot more of is staffing analysis by department. Uh, we're working on a few of those projects right now to help dealers determine what they need now, what they'll need in the future as well. Uh, but that comes to mind, of course, okay. Uh, other actions that they're taking to, because of that revenue hit, such as reaching out to the customer, should be part of your long-term philosophy anyway, stay in good communication with the customer. Uh, John, what are you saying? Well, you know, I think we're kind of dancing around a really interesting point here, but, but, but Mark, as you've mentioned, right, this whole, your approach to lean has to be long-term. So understanding the current market dynamics is really important, but but really they're irrelevant in, in the construct of lean. And uh, so I'll, I'll give another example, Keith, because I think a lot of people tend to think of lean in terms of, uh, of fixed operations and, and, and Mark's expertise. But really, when I look at number one and think about a long-term philosophy, even at the expense of short-term goals, you know, a great example of that is is how uh, many dealerships, if not all OEM dealerships, uh, handle their reconditioning processes on used trucks today. You know, everybody that I'm aware of has a mandate that you have to buy the parts for those repairs internally, and you have to do the the uh, the service work internally, and all that, of course, provides some short-term financial gain. But I think the point here is. Um, you know, if we're turning away retail customers to be working on used trucks, there's a there's a question about whether that's really the best thing for the, the business. And then, you know, there's a secondary question. Time is money, right? So if there are other resources outside the dealership that we could use that would provide a better better product for our customers, I think all of this is a great example that you could look at to kind of paint uh, this short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And I think I think when you're doing that, I mean, dealerships have been doing this for years. They're not they're not doing that just today because of the uh, pandemic that we're all uh, working through right now. So my point is just simply this: you have to be thinking long-term about the business. You can't let these short-term disruptions get in the way and you really have to be thinking about time is money and you really have to be thinking about the best finished product for your customer in the whole totality of your dealership. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, John. I think that, that uh, you know, again, it's, it's a balancing act because we certainly know that, that there's some of, some of our customers or certainly some people that we know that are, that are fighting for survival right now. Um, so they're doing what they have to do. But as a whole, I, th- I think it's fair to say, look, th- this this is a finite thing. Um, we don't know what the what the end date is, um, but that that people, the people that that have have 
made up your organization, those key people, those key techs, those key parts people, those key used truck people, key new truck people, whoever those key people are in the, in the business, those are the ones you're relying on right now as well. And, you know, to, to start to break apart teams uh, to, to try and make it, to try and, and salvage, uh, you know, two, three months of, of profitability, um, you know, is, is that really, are you, look, are you looking at this thing uh, from, from a long-term standpoint? And again, that's not being critical. That's just saying, uh, you know, as you, as you examine what you're, what you're doing, uh, you know, trying to keep a focus on the long-term, knowing you've got to balance a few things uh, from the short-term, but you've got to keep that focus long-term. What, what is the best interest of our customers? of our people that, that work for us and of the entity. And I think I was listening to, um, I don't know, Mark or John, if you got a chance to listen to the Maxwell broadcast that that uh, that Alan and Casey and Mike put out there that are available to us. Um, but you know, one of the things that John Maxwell referenced was do what's best for the people. And I think if you keep that in mind and keep this long-term philosophy in mind, I, it, it sure, certainly helps you get some, some clarity of vision on, uh, on moving forward. You know, I think leadership is more important than ever, particularly in this, during this pandemic. And I think what comes out of it is going to be more important than ever because things are going to change. Uh, permanently in many cases, but I think your starting point is is you know evaluate before you just start making wholesale cuts. You know evaluate every function in the company, every department. Okay, in terms of ability to take care of our customers, to generate value for our customers, maybe even for our society that we live in or our, or our local economy, and certainly for at least the key employees, if not all of your employees. And and uh, that is going to get you as much revenue as you're going to get right now and certainly place you, position you right when we do come out of the other side of this. You know, the, the second point, Mark, you brought about was this idea of continuous process flow. Um, I know, I know that you and John both have spent tremendous amount of time looking at process flows and service, used trucks, new trucks. Uh, you want to bring us bring us some more clarity on that, Mark? You know, this is this is the heart of, of what we do, okay? Um, and, and roll up our sleeves and help them implement these processes and so forth, okay? Uh, but, and it goes to what we said lean really is, the removal of waste, continuous improvement through the removal of waste. If you look, for instance, in a service department, I'll let John comment on, on new and used, okay? Uh, and I think this goes for parts, Keith. You can validate that or yeah. not. But if you look at a typical service process, uh, the measurements, the analytics that we provide a lot of OEMs and our customers show, uh, using just an example, that we're keeping a truck or the dwell time from the time we write up the truck to the time it's finished, okay, for an average of four days still in our industry for class six and eight trucks and almost as high for class, the smaller classes. Yet the average repairs are four hours. Now I've said that on other podcasts and I'm sorry if it's repetitive, 
but there's a lot of waste in the process and a lot of lack of flow causing that. It's not taking the technician four days to do that work. So, so building the process is a piece of it, providing the structure for your frontline people to, to get continuous flow, redesigning their process, okay, so that you get continuous flow with the structure that allows them to do it, uh, is, is what's necessary in every department. John, are you seeing that in newer use? You know, um, so Mark, I'm going to answer that question this way because because I think that this isn't necessarily a, a fixed ops versus a variable ops kind of a dilemma. This is a basic business principle that right. uh, we're really talking about here. Keith, as you're aware, we were asked to uh, kind of facilitate uh, an advisory process for, for one of our clients. And, and, the, and the process consisted of dealers and, and company people. And what was really interesting as we went through that, there was lots of discussion about inconsistency with the execution of, of a particular process and equity and fairness. And so we, we went to the very beginning of, of this and said, you know, can you help us understand what the process is? Do you have a process map? Do you, do you know how when this system's performing optimally, what everything should look like? And, uh, you know, quite frankly, the answer was not, we do, but it's, it's not current, it's not up to date. And it really kind of highlighted how difficult it is to improve business processes if you don't know what the baseline looks like. So um, business flow, process flow, critical. If you're ever gonna try and improve on, on an existing process without understanding where you're at right now, that's not possible. So Mark, yeah, a lot of examples on the new or used truck side, reconditioning, of course, is always first and foremost in my mind. But so I wanted to use that as an example to say, this is, this is universally applicable anywhere in your business. If you want to get better, you better have a process flow map that articulates where the decision points are and what the steps in the process and how the documentation flows through the process before you can really have a realistic expectation that you can get better. And, and to, that, go ahead, Mark. to that point, okay, we, we recommend uh, regularly scheduled process audits with, with all of the people that the process touches, all the internal customers uh, that the process touches. Okay, in other words, inspect what you expect. And it's amazing the feedback you can get, the buy-in you can get from all your team members and how fast you can accelerate the, 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 the total implementation, total execution of the process, okay? But, um, uh, you know, you've got, to, you've got to look at what, once you design the process, you've got to get everyone to buy into it and do it, okay? Uh, we've we've seen drastic improvements if you do the process audits and talk about it, communicate internally. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna vary from not not from from what you guys are talking about in terms of the process flow, but we've spent you know I I don't know what podcast number this is, but almost all of our podcasts have been about certainly about leadership and change management, and I know we've talked a little bit about various departments one thing we've really not spent any time on is accounting and you know one one of our um advisors bob ignowski you know he he spends a tremendous amount of his time on um on improving accounting flows and one of his customers uh, i mean they're they're 
they're really taking it on the chin right now uh, because of where they're located and also because of, of the type of product that they sell. But he was able to move them, um, to help move them from, I think, I think when he engaged with them six months ago, moved them from a time of close of the financial statement of give or take 22 days, I don't know the exact time, they hit a 10-day close last month. Now, he believes they can still get better with it. But, you know, the ability to close a month is all about processes. And, and you know, they laid the process out, what they're doing, identified what the gaps were versus what this best-of-class process was, implemented the process, audited it, and measure it, and they they get better every month. His challenge now is that that accounting office is down significantly in people. Bob believes that they can still maintain, while maybe not a 10-day close, that they can maintain a very, very fast closing process. He believes that they can get that they can do very, very well in that accounting office, even with a even with some staff cuts. Um, you know, hopefully they're not permanent staff cuts. But the point of all that is, is to, to your guys' point, you know, they identified things that were not necessarily people waste, but movement waste. You know, Mark, you, you like to hold up your fingers and say, how many count how many fingers I have? And you say five. Well, that's right. But you talk about the steps in the process. That's five steps. But the waste is between those individual steps. Correct. And being able to bring your fingers closer together and get rid of the gaps between your fingers to get rid of the waste. And that's what they've done. That's what a process audit helps you with. You know, if you, to, to that point, when I talked to Bob, okay, a lot of that gain came from philosophy number four, leveling out the workload, not waiting yeah. to the end of the month to do everything, okay, but by doing the pieces as they happen live, whether you're in the service department, new, new truck, huge truck, take care of it now, have a process that allows the people to take care of it now by removing that waste, right? Why don't we skip right to that one? We'll come back to number three then. So we've talked about leveling out the workload there. I, you know, I, I see that from a part standpoint when it when it comes to uh, to cycle counts. People want to do these cycle counts, but we get these big buildups of they run out of quote run out of time. But reality is there if they if they level that out and count three bends a day and figure out how they put that into somebody's workload. Uh, and figure out who's doing what and when the phone calls are coming in and schedule those cycle counts, you've leveled the workload out and you can get through a, through a full inventory count every two to three months. Um, you know, it's just math. You figure out how many part numbers you need to count per day and how many part numbers are on a bin, how many bins you have. You can do the math to get an average. But uh, that leveling out the workload is a really important thing from that standpoint. And the benefits of the cycle count are just tremendous. Absolutely, and and in service, the same thing. The the, the whole triage uh, deal that's come about the last eight or ten years is is critical to to being able to leverage the skills and leveling the workload there as well. And also, John, to your point, scheduling the capacity to handle those huge trucks reconditioning as well. 
Hey, so, Mark, I'm going to go back now to number three, you know, which is the pull system. You talked about it earlier, and, and I have to imagine this has to do with waste because you talked about overproduction. Nobody, John, I, I equate that to the idea of too much inventory, right? Nobody likes to have too much inventory on hand. So That's how right. do we keep from having too much inventory, too much overproduction? How do we how do we take this idea of a pull system? Well, I can tell you in service department that telling telling uh, uh, management okay that overproduction is a bad thing is a hard message to send. But it's not overproduction of the whole department. It's over overproduction in one section of the department. For instance, if I'm really good at triaging every vehicle immediately upon receiving it, but I don't have uh, the right parts in stock all the time, or I don't have uh, the skill available in the shop to do the repairs, I get backed up. So I need to balance that workload, uh, switching back and forth, level that workload, the number four, number four affects number three and vice versa, right? Okay, in order to, to create flow, it's the time that, so that we're turning that truck faster back to the customer, and that allows us to have more overall capacity. I'm sure the same thing happens in used trucks. If I'm spending all my time, and I don't know used trucks like you do, John, but if I'm spending focusing on buying at auctions and so forth and not selling, I'm, I'm, I'm tying up capital, right? And so I, I would, I would, I guess, Mark, you know, when you're talking about the idea of pull, and it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act here. Again, I'll go, I'll go back to the, the accounting side first. Um, I think that's where we get where we get backed up. We get all kinds of paper and documents pushed into the accounting department. You know, you talk about number three and four really interacting with each other. We get receipts from parts. We get uh, truck deals. We get all kinds of things pushed into those departments, pushed into accounting. And it's typically driven by some uh, time stamp, end of the month, a commission cutoff, a bill payment cutoff, you know, and, and so we, if you look at it, and Mark, it happens, it happens on closing repair orders, right? Um, that, that, that it's a, it becomes a push rather than becoming a pull of pulling the repair order through the process, pulling the, the part, the part receipt through the process and giving that to accounting on a daily basis so that the parts inventory is updated. And that's not nearly as big a deal today as it was 10 years ago. But even still today, you'll get people that back up the accounting department and from the part side with, they receipt things in, but they then they don't finish the, the entire process. It stops at the receiver. And so now they're matching paperwork on the last five days of the month to send to accounting for them to post into the accounting inventory. Which goes, right, so it, which, which goes right to the philosophy <laughs> number six, standardizing those tax, tasks, okay, uh, our, our, our foundation piece, okay, and then you can jump, I'm not gonna keep referring to the different philosophies, okay, but if we, if we have the flow piece in place, 
you used the example of closing repair orders, the turbo close at the end of the month, many dealers go through. The biggest reason for it is the process breakdown throughout the month, not pulling that live data. It doesn't physically take two or three minutes to invoice a repair order. The problem is rebuilding the repair order because we didn't have the standardized task to keep it live throughout the, the period of time. And that's the same thing for the accounting example you're using. And being able to cut the time down is taking care of those things live as they happen or as close to live as possible. Yeah, I, th I think that goes back then to, to something you referenced earlier, and we are bouncing around these right now, and that's fine, is number five, which is, and John, I, I think I think we see this from a used truck side a whole lot. And, you know, the, the, the definition here, Mark, was build a culture of stopping to fix the problem. You're reading my mind. Um, it goes right you know, back to, to that culture. To get quality right the first time. Right. And, and it seems to me that this... This once you've got this continuous process flow and it's based upon this idea of long-term philosophy, really we're we're and, and I'll go back to one of the things that we're doing right now with with one of our parts customers, um, and we've done this a lot, but we're seeing it with with this one. It's really interesting, you know. We talked, John, about adapting to what's happening in the in the environment. This is a customer that we started doing a lot of remote intervention and and. Uh, um, work with back in November uh, just happened because I was sick and couldn't make the visit and so we rescheduled it did remote work and it's it's been great we spent about an hour and a half two hours a, a week just looking at various pieces of a parts inventory reinforce something make sure that it's working make sure that piece of the process is work is working but one of the things that we've gone through with them is the idea of, of when the parts not on the shelf when the cycle count uh, error, or when there's a cycle count error, when we've got over stocking of parts, these are all exceptions to some rule, right? That's that's what this, you've got to build your business rule, but these are all exceptions to some business rule. And when that when that part number appears as, as the exception, stop right then to figure out why. Right. And, and we, we looked at a part the other day that they had made an adjustment to on a cycle count and you know they had not done a physical inventory for who knows how long and we really couldn't trace it back as to why it, it was wrong but what we did notice that there was three steps along the way that if they had the, the this current process flow in place they would have picked up the air in that part way before they ever did the cycle count they would have picked it up to a negative on hand. They would have picked it up to a, uh, a zero on hand. They would have picked it up through some returns that, that customers made. And they could have fixed that problem a year ago versus now identifying it through a cycle count. And so, so you know, the, the discipline that we're getting into place with them is when you find that exception to the rule, understand why. What caused that to happen? And let's fix the root cause of that problem right now. Let's not wait. Let's uh, let's fix it right now. And that is part of that culture. The lean culture is getting everybody to want to stop and fix the problem now, which goes back to having visual controls to see that, that something gets out of a line, right? To know that 
in the service department to know that the estimate wasn't updated when we found out it needed more work. In the parts department to know that we were that, that the count was wrong when it happened and so forth. Okay, uh, you, you need an indicator to tell you to go there because it's not always visible. And the more people you have involved, more likely you can get to that point where you stop now to fix the process. So that's that's a business rule, right? Go ahead, John. Yeah, look, uh, actually, five and six, uh, both rules that we're talking about here right now, fellas, um, they both could be optimized, both the new truck department and, and the used truck department, right? You think about the number of repetitive repairs and the opportunity for standardization of the processes. Very few of our clients have standardized op codes for, if you will, in terms of like doing a DOT procedure, which is very common in a, in a used truck environment, or doing a new truck P&D, which is very common. And, and, and to have standardized op codes, here's a, here's a chance to, to really begin to explore how you could implement lean in your dealerships. There's a couple of really easy ones. Mark, the, the other point that i just like to highlight here that you focused on is is to get quality right the first time. But that's true whether it's a retail service customer or whether it's an internal customer, right? And I think uh, I think this lean process really provides a unique opportunity for, for dealers to recharacterize how they view their internal customers, right? A new truck, uh, all the new truck P&D volume that goes to the shop is is really important as well, and 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 likewise the, the volume that the used truck. So so treating the new truck department, used truck department, thinking about them differently is is a real opportunity as you think about how to implement lean in your particular dealership. Agreed, absolutely agreed. You know we're doing a project right now uh, uh, jointly that that is is for for a client that during this slow time, okay, or slower than he wished it was time, the client, uh, of taking all the processes that they have for all departments and finding finding ways to create flow between departments. And some of the biggest ones are service and parts and, and uh, used trucks and new trucks versus fixed operations and accounting, getting the right information at the right time instead of somebody not closing out the, the finals of a deal until the end of the month, all of those kinds of things, but trying to integrate all of that to create total flow over all departments in the dealership. And I think that's what you're talking about. Okay, it's quality. It's not just quality of fixing the truck or quality of, of, of selling a truck for the right gross and so forth, but, but the quality of all the internal processes as well. And, and really it's about Lean isn't a, necessarily a process or the work, it's a mindset. It's a standard of doing the job right the first time, regardless of who the customer is. Correct, absolutely correct. You know, and, and, and that really goes, that that, re, that really goes to number nine, okay? And I know we're skipping around, okay? But having the right lead, leaders who thoroughly understand the, 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 this lean philosophy and culture and understand the work and what our mission is, what what we're, what our purpose is as as a dealership, and teach it to others is key. Which goes back to the conversation we had earlier during this disruption. People are important. Find a way to keep those leaders in place. Otherwise, when you come out the other side, you've got to rebuild all of that. 
Yeah, I yeah, I think that that's that's an interesting one. Number nine here about growing leaders, and you know, you even relate it, Mark, to uh, I think it's uh, number ten, which is developing exceptional people and teams. You know, those those all go together, and it goes back to that idea, that underpinning fl- principle of the of the philosophy. Um, you know, again, being very very sensitive and respectful of, of the fact that that th- these are this is really difficult right now, but you know, I, th- I think this gives people, again, uh, we use our company as an example. It gives us a chance to look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what, we, we've, we may have a little bit of extra time to, to try and address something inside of our company that, that really would make us a better company. And I know we're, you know, we're tackling some of those things. I think it's a great time for uh, for any dealership to look at, at at this to say, I wonder how we could start to optimize process flows. We've got some technology that we have, and but it, it all comes back to the leadership piece of this, of uh, of growing those leaders that that understand this, understand the work, right? Understand the way that that uh, um, we flow stuff and how it really could be changed that understand that philosophy of of taking waste out and this is a not a one-time event but it's a it's a long-term thing and then starting to teach teach those key people that are engaged in this i mean they can't do that themselves the leader can't do this themselves you got to have the people do it it's got to be teamwork and and you've got to have an effort from the leadership though to teach those individuals those key people how to work together as teams to reach the common dealership goals right so it's still yeah. still very involved. Every aspect is touched. You know, one of the things that we get questioned about, and, and it's in this in this punch list, this fourteen uh, principles of lean. Mark is is the idea of technology. Um, you know, we we've got a product called Pulse. Um, you know, we've we've been demoing that to a few people, and and uh, um, one of the comments that Amber made to me yesterday um, when we were we demoed this to uh, a group last week, two weeks ago, she said, you know, I'm not even sure they understand what they want from technology. They just they're just asking for technology. And so, you know, the, the term here is reliable, thoroughly tested technology that serves people and, and processes. And I think, I think making your way through the maze of technology here is, is really interesting. And John, you, you referenced it, you know, in the terms of, of what's happening with new trucks right now, putting, putting new and used truck deals together. There's a lot of technology out there. There's probably a lot of also wasted technology, I would guess as well. Keith, the, the point I think is important, and and Marcus uh, kind of kind of talked to this particular issue. I don't know that it's it's technology as much as it is data, right? The whole essence of lean is if you can measure it, you can manage it, and I think that's probably one of the challenges that Amber's working with right now. She's uh, she's come across a client that understands that. It's not just data, it's good data, it's reliable data, it's actionable data. And I think that that's, 
that's really kind of the beauty of Pulse is, is its ability to generate that specific foundation for which you can approach a project. I, I, I think to that to that point, if you go back and reread Principle Eight, use only reliable, thoroughly tested technology that serves your people and process. The, to me, those last four or five words right. are the part that matters. So, and and they supply does, does technology give them the data in a format that they can use. The beauty of Pulse is it's drill downable. You can find all that data throughout the multiple technology platforms that you have in your dealership and then try and put it all together to where it makes sense. But the but the but the ability to drill down and I sound like I'm selling Pulse and I guess I am, okay, but the ability to drill down and take action is the big plus side of that, all the way down. And to have the the can bands, the alerts we talked about to know that something is out of order, that there's waste in our process because something is not being done. Okay, it's really about integrating whatever technology you choose to use with your process so it complements your process and you're able to, to John's point, to, if you want to change something, you're able to get accurate measurements of what you're trying to change because I agree with you, John, you can't change it if you can't measure it. But I, I would I would challenge both of you on this. I think that we get whether it's whether it's us individually or or as a as a dealer, I would say we get technology thrown at us as being quote the solution, right? I mean, <clears throat> if you implement this tool, your life will be changed. And then we find out that they that that tool, well, it's probably a good tool. And Mark, maybe maybe this is what you're referencing is that. They kept doing work the same way they've always done work. Exactly. And it, it, without without adapting work to that technology. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people change technology and then set it up exactly the way they've been doing business all along, and and that not gain the the benefits of the new technology. Right. You know, there's no way to go through all all 14 of these. Okay, and. And uh, really, it's tough to really explain lean in a 45-minute, 50-minute podcast. Okay, certainly there's a lot of uh, books written on the sub on the topic. Uh, certainly, there's a lot you can find on the internet, and certainly, hopefully, you reach out to us for more discussions regarding this. But I'd like to jump all the way to 14 before we, before yeah, we close. Thank you. Okay, and you know, the, the bottom line is whether you call it lean or you're reading Four Disciplines of Execution or, or any of John Maxwell's stuff and so forth, the, the key, particularly right now, but focusing on the long term when you come out of this, is become a learning organization. Be relentless, okay? Reflect on, on what you've done each time and strive for continuous improvement and try and involve all your people. So could I could I back up on you, Mark and John, just just for a minute? Because uh, you went to fourteen. I was gonna I was gonna say I'd like for us to touch on thirteen before we before we close shop today. And thirteen and fourteen, I think, go together, and they really are are what's happening today. One is make decisions slowly and do it by consensus. Uh, you know, considering all the options and and implement those decisions rapidly once. Once that's made, I think that's really important because, you know, I, 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 I don't think we've seen anybody make snap decisions. I think the, the pace of things right now is 
John, I think you you either said it on the on the uh, uh, podcast this morning, or maybe it was on our call earlier this morning. But the pace of these things that are happening right now is relentless, and it's a little bit mind blowing at the same time. Um, and so being able to stop, you know, detach, I guess we'll use a word from Jocko, detach, step back, look at it, get some consensus on, on what's happening. I think that's pretty important right now. You know, the notion of technology, technology is fundamentally easy. You can go out and it becomes a cost benefit decision. But, but the foundational tool for lean is process mapping. And that's hard. And right. so you know, one of the reasons that our clients and other clients and most dealers jump at technical solutions and technology is because it's a lot easier to implement, but it will never have the sizzle. It'll never have the bang for your buck if you're not prepared to simultaneously be making all the other investments in the lean tools and continuous improvement tools. Uh, technology in and of itself will never get you where you want to go. If you're only going to spend your money in one place, Take the hard path. Start uh, start becoming process minded and start start implementing process flow mapping in your in your dealership and in your various departments. Very, yeah, and I, very I, well said. Yeah, and I would I would just say you know we've we've seen some dealers just in the last month. Uh, well, certainly before that, but you know they're really that are going through DMS installs. I mean, we're engaged on one right now where it's not just the DMS conversion. It's actually a combined remapping or not remapping, mapping the process in what is, quote, the best best practice and tying that in with the, with the technology of that DMS. And this is a big, big project for this group. I mean, it's, it's a huge undertaking. Um, but their thought being, John, exactly what you said, which is let's design our processes to workflow the way we do work in the best manner possible and support that with these, with this best of class technology. Well said. So Keith, I think you're exactly right. I think 13 and 14 uh, affect each other. Actually, I think all 14 of these principles affect each other. Okay. Uh, but but one of the big uh, negatives sometimes when, when people start this process is making snap decisions and making them from the top down, which can really hurt the overall effect of this. I, I, so make those decisions slowly by consensus. In other words, involve your key people, okay, and consider all options. All right, and then once you decide it, make it an edict and implement as rapidly as you can through pulling it up from your people versus pushing it down. That'll help you become a learning organization. That'll force you to become a learning organization. You know, Keith, uh, when I look at 13 and 14, and as you're aware, you've you've given us all a personal development goal as we've gone through this uh, through this correction in the marketplace and that are dealing with this virus. The, the book I've chose to read one more time is uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders. I think leadership is an important notion here, but, you know, Covey does a good job of delineating between independence and interdependence. And, and he really goes at length to talk about how 
to be successful as an individual, you, you have to be interdependent. And really 13 and 14, when you boil it down, come down to making your organization interdependent. And, uh, and that consensus is, uh, is the line that I'm not necessarily real good at it individually, but if you're gonna be successful and lean, uh, the, the, the concept of working within your organization, developing communication channels and helping people reach decisions through consensus is really, really key uh, to be effective at steps 13 and 14. To that point, Keith, I think maybe next uh, podcast we should talk about some real-world examples of continuous improvement, okay, that I know yeah. we have plenty of, and maybe bring in some guest speakers for that. But in the meantime, everybody, if you're going to implement Lean, first commit to it. Do, do your homework, okay? Put together the right team, the right champions and leaders uh, within your organization, okay? Then deploy that vision, that lean-based vision, if you choose lean, and involve and engage the entire organization. Review it often, measure and track progress, and take it one step at a time. Don't try and do everything at once. And if you want, we'd sure love it if you reach out to us for help. Gentlemen, thank you uh, for your time. Uh, Keith, stay safe. Stay safe. Wash your hands, guys. Yeah, wash your hands. Wash your hands, okay? Um, well, until next time, hopefully next time we uh, can have a, a, another uplifting conversation like we did today. So thanks again, guys. And uh, until next time, it's the three wise truck guys out. Over and out. Over and out. Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.